Hey, can I tell you a secret? The secret to getting a great shave without any nicks, cuts, or irritation isn't three or four blades, a soap strip, or a swivel head. It's just supporting the blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just supporting the blade. Don't let it flex or bend. That's the secret to limiting shaving irritation. At Henson Shaving, we use our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to keep the blade from moving. It's not the coolest answer, but it's the right one. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. Wake up at Holiday Inn Express to a can't-miss breakfast that's free with every stay. Count on all the hot, fresh coffee you need and an incredible breakfast buffet that has something for everyone, like eggs, cinnamon rolls, and even hot, fresh pancakes with all the toppings you crave. Next time, do yourself a favor and stay at a Holiday Inn Express with a can't-miss breakfast that's free with every stay. So, when you wake up at Holiday Inn Express, you'll wake up happy, a part of IHG Hotels and Resorts. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. It is the Custard TV podcast, the podcast hosted by three TV obsessives. Uh, your obsessives this week are myself, Luke, who edits the site, thecustardtv.com. Matt in the North. You haven't done that one in a while, that intro. I, haven't, I, suppose, you, I, haven't, I suppose you've not been on. I haven't done many <laughs> intros, to be fair. No. <laughs> and uh, Sophie Davis, site contributor and just general sweaty person at the moment. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> You've been out and about a bit, according to your uh, Twitters of late. You've been seeing some shows and living life again, which is nice. Yeah, I've been going to the theatre quite a bit. I've been seeing some um, like Edinburgh Fringe like comedy previews because I'm not mm. actually going to the Fringe this year. But now that I live in London, I can just go and see work in progress shows on the cheap. Who needs Edinburgh? That yeah, must, I'm kind of thinking that now that yeah now that I live in London, I'm kind of thinking that I can just see work in progress shows, and then everyone you know who is really good in Edinburgh often does their shows, you know, at, like, the Soho Theatre after Edinburgh. So, yeah. Mm, yeah, you don't need to move. Just sit there and they'll all come to you. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Earlier on uh, in the month, I think, Matt and I did our sort of half-the-year check-in. Do you have a favourite comedy of the year or is your is your favourite show of the year a drama? What, what do you think your favourite show so far of 2022 is? My top show so far probably has to be Severance. Thank you. Because I just think it's one of the best things I've ever seen. Like, it was just so tense. Having to wait a week for that finale was unbearable. And I felt like I just didn't breathe the whole time I was watching it. Um, Yeah, it was just so good. And nice to see it's been really recognised at the Mm. Emmys as well. And the supporting performances too. Uh, I just think it's amazing. It is. I I just think we we talk about TV every week on on this show and you know we tend to talk about because the way tv is made we tend to talk about the same sort of shows and yet severance just felt completely unique i had no idea what it was about where it was going and as you say the week-to-week wait just made it more exciting and i think the word of mouth helped have you seen it yet matt you don't need to tell me what you thought have you seen it no i don't like you very much for not saying <laughs> that's not what you said during that best of show yes but yes when you, you said at the end the next but, thing you were going to do was severance and then you didn't so now i'm back and then to i, not did, liking, I, I know, did julia instead which i'm sure you're happy about i did oh that was julia. good that is yeah good. yeah i couldn't deal with Severance. i wasn't in the right mood for severance i wanted something a bit more comforting severance can be comforting <laughs> 
there are sweet moments in it like relationships between certain characters it isn't like it's not like the handmaid's tale or anything it's not like incredibly depressing and dark like it does have the time but it's sort of the style of it it sort of puts you on edge a little bit that's what yeah, i found that's well if you, know you what don't I mean? finish it by the end of the year you and i might discover a healthier happier you with veganuary 2024 your health isn't just small potatoes it's a big deal so this january you are invited to make a change that matters by trying veganuary's 31 day vegan challenge switching to a plant-based diet reduces your carbon footprint and makes a positive impact for animals. Every meal is a vote for the kind of world you want to create. Ready to make a change? Sign up today at veganuary.com. Vote for veggies. Have a fallout, because it's got to be in your top 10 or top one of the... Well, we're having... Well, we're certainly debating having a few weeks off, aren't we? So... Yes, and, and if I've, you don't I've got fill some... those weeks with severance, then I'll be annoyed. And I've got some time off work in September as well, so I'll do my best, sir. Thank you. Go about your the TV, business. The TV Gestapo over there. Go about your business. Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast? Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV Podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. On the show this week, though, we're going to be talking four brand new shows that may or may not be worth your time. The Return of the Great. On Thank you. On Channel 4 and uh, all, all available now via Stars Play, if you want to do it that way. Surface, a brand new thriller from Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, a brand new crime thriller from Disney Plus called Under the Banner of Heaven, starring Daisy Edgar-Jones and Andrew Garfield. And finally... The Newsreader, which is all available now on the iPlayer from Australia. Sophie, I'm guessing you still haven't purchased those S Club 7 DVDs you need to complete your podcast. No, not yet. I think that'll be a sort of post-summer task when uh, I'm staying in a bit more and it's less kind of hot and sweaty to record a podcast. Are you not worried about high demand taking those discs away from you? Because it might be you go on... (laughs) Some other podcasters bought them. Oh, I'll have to pay a lot of money to buy them off the per- the one person who's bought the one copy. I do like the <laughs> fact there might be a black market in S Club material. I like you have yeah, to... it, I don't know what even know what this website is. It's like a fan established website that has the shows on DVD. I don't know if they own the rights or if they've just like done it casually. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> If you were to go to prison, I'd love you to go to prison for that. It's because it's so niche and it would make a good Netflix <laughs> true crime documentary. I might get more listeners to the podcast if I'm in prison. It's, it swings and roundabouts, really. Would, would S Club 7 play themselves or would you have to cast them? No, you know, I couldn't cast... afford them. And I wouldn't want Joe associated with it, so I'd have to cast somebody else. And none oh, of I... them can act. Didn't oh. Hannah go on to act, though? Mm, yeah, she's one of the better ones. Yeah, you'd think out of seven they'd have found some good actors, wouldn't you? Really, it's weird. Uh, That's haven't. what's so baffling about it, because the TV show was part of the plan from the beginning. It's not like 
they made it big as a band and then they decided to make a TV show. They did the TV series first and then released the music off the back of it. Mm. So, like, was there no acting in the audition process? <laughs> there should have been. You would have thought, wouldn't you, yeah? yeah. It's like not like Spice World where they did it the other way around, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. I think that was, yeah. like, the inspiration for it. Like, Spice World was huge, let's do this band and, like, launch it with their own children's TV show. And it worked, to be fair to them. I'm always fascinated. I always just start by asking you whether the podcast is still going. And then we go down this rabbit hole and I'm fascinated. I want to know more and more and more. Where can people find and catch up with all of your podcasts, should they wish to, while you're on this break? Uh, So that one is called It's an S-Pod Thing. And that's on any podcast platforms. And the Twitter handle is at S-Pod Thing or Spod Thing, it looks like. And then the other podcast uh, about the work of Julia Davis is called Smashed Prawns in a Milky Basket. Great. Uh, on the site at the moment, thecustardv.com, you can uh, read our big in-depth uh, piece on Breaking Bad. I've written a piece on uh, Better Things, the Pamela Adlon uh, comedy, which is quietly living out its final series on the iPlayer or on Sunday nights on BBC Two. Also got a more in-depth review than we'll likely do here on Under the Banner of Heaven. And all sorts of different opinion uh, pieces as well. And you can find older podcasts, guides for the week in TV and streaming. And our upcoming TV page, which has everything we know to be coming back. Just commissioned or just announced. All in two handy little places for you to bookmark so that you can get every little update that we have. Which is all updated now, hasn't it? You all know, teamwork, teamwork makes the dream work on that yes, one. Very well done to both of us. You could have been using that time to watch Severance, so I'm still slightly annoyed. Sorry, but who asked me to do that? I think if you look back at the message, I did put in brackets, unless you've not seen Severance yet. I did say that. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and on the website as well. Uh, there's a link to it on there. And as Luke said, we've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of podcasts for you to listen back to if you haven't already. All right, then, let's start this week's to add to that long list, starting off with the return of Tony McNamara's quirky take on Catherine the Great. This is the second series of The Great, starring Al Fanning and uh, Nicholas Holt. It's taken a while to get here. It's on Hulu in the States. Now it's on Stars Play in the UK, but now weekly on a Wednesday. Sophie's going to walk us through where we are, firstly, with The Great. So if anyone hasn't seen it before, it's a sort of fictionalised version of Catherine the Great's rise to power in 18th century Russia. It's not one for the faint-hearted, really. It's a very, very dark comedy. Season two sort of opens. There's been a lot of fighting going on, and there are two small children just kind of kicking a decapitated head between (laughs) them, like they're using it as a football I think if I had to compare The Great to anything, it always feels a bit like Julia Davis's Hunderby to me, mm. like if Hunderby had a much bigger budget. Mm. Like there's a scene in this opening episode where people are talking about how they're going to monitor Catherine's pregnancy, which felt very Hunderby to me. And the doctor is even played by Julian Barrett as well, who's I married to Julia was. Davis. <laughs> because I, he, I don't think he was in season one, was he? No, I no think it was Jamie Dimitri Jamie Dimitrio was the doctor. doctor. Yeah, so maybe he was busy in America doing like the after party or something. So season one sort of culminated in Catherine launching a coup against her husband, Peter. um, And that's where we pick things up, really. The coup is still going on, 
each side is occupying a different side of the palace. Um, and in the episode, Catherine gets a guy called Molotov to flush out Peter's group <laughs> with some fire. Um, and that results in Peter fleeing the palace and Catherine goes after him. It feels like more of the same, but, it, you know, in a good way. Like, it doesn't feel like it's lost anything at all in the time off. I really enjoyed it. The performances still feel like as, as great as they were before. The comedy for me is still really funny. There's this run-in joke where they keep sending out lookalikes of Peter to kind of test the waters <laughs> in different situations and they just get shot every time and he's kind of like, that could have been me! And now she's like, oh dear. I just thought it was really funny and I love how, you know, when he flees, he's immediately upset because his like private chef hasn't come with him and he gets caught out because they send back for the chef and all the food supplies and Catherine just follows them to find out where he is. I think it's a brilliant, well, two brilliant performances really, but I find Nicholas Holt's performance just so funny and he's an actor who I don't think has really done anything like this before. He's no. not someone who's known for doing comedy and he's doing this sort of almost like Rick Mail esque performance and he gets to do some really interesting stuff now because obviously the dynamic between the two of them has shifted quite a bit because she previously was kind of plotting against him privately now it's all in the open but he's not really taking it as seriously as he should be like there's a scene where she's basically just openly saying that she's going to kill him and she's be and he's just sort of like oh come on dear stop being ridiculous and he's very obsessed with her pregnant belly now as well and baby paul who's on the way threatening her and then being like love you bye paul <laughs> it's a delicate performance he's doing because there are times i've seen the first four episodes of the new series and there are times when um you do feel empathy for him in a strange sort of way. I don't really know how he's able to do that because he is a complete clown buffoon, doesn't really care about anyone else but himself, and yet he's able to do this performance which kind of makes you feel a degree of empathy with him in this situation. She is fantastic. She was fantastic last series, and I think she's even better this one because she's got real... She's got a baby in her belly and, and fire in her belly as well, more so than she's ever had before. The writing seems just so on point, really, really funny, constantly making me laugh. I think it's the most outrageously funny show and it has its heart in the right place. If I weren't doing this podcast, I'd have hoovered up the last episodes because I just think it's unlike anything I've ever seen before. I sort of turn my nose up at anything this sort of period based, anything like this. But the great, it just has me enraptured. I think it's so much fun. It's actually teaching me things subtly about the history that I wasn't aware of before and I find it fascinating. Really like it. Matt, have you watched Severance while we've been talking or have you got yeah, thoughts yeah, on the great? Yeah, all the six episodes that I haven't seen before. No, <laughs> no, I agree totally with what both of you are saying and, and that scene you were talking about, Sophie, the opening scene, it exactly sets up what the great is, this contrast between the macabre of this being a severed head with the the comedy of it's two children who don't really understand the significance of why they shouldn't be doing it you know there is comedy played there as well the performances you know there's a naivety to both of them really you know peter's in this sense of arrested development you know he really hasn't ever grown up he's still very childlike and i think that's what you gravitate towards in nicholas holt's performance really this sort of lack of understanding about how to be 
a grown-up really you know having everything handed to him and having everyone around him basically telling him he's great and even with Elle Fanning's performance you know she's she's meant to be a young girl who has got these progressive ideas but still sort of struggles to execute them in a way and and there is behind them all of these older characters who are sort of almost subservient to them so it's an interesting power dynamic and I think that's why you gravitate towards even though Peter is a despicable character in a way I think there is that empathy there Luke that you said because you sort of understand his backstory and what everyone's told him about him you know that he was chosen by God and the fact he was brought down by food as well she sort of got him out of hiding by like a roasted pig which I thought was a was a genius <laughs> move that scene where they try and cook the rats as well was brilliant <laughs> Brilliant. You know, it is a comedy at the end of the day. I think sometimes this gets lumped in with dramas when people are talking about mm. it, but it is 100% just a comedy that's an hour long. I just think it's hilarious. They've both been nominated for comedy Emmys, so... Mm. But yeah, you're right. I think when you see this level of production values, even though there have been, like, sort of similar, sort of irreverent period pieces in the past, um, it is hard to sort of pin down... Because there are dramatic moments, but you're right, it is all sort of tongue-in-cheek really and and maybe that some people just couldn't marry the two up really i suppose as well it's a bit like the favorite isn't it it's the same writer as the favorite so Mm. if people saw that the idea of an hour-long comedy could be quite draining but it's just so funny and so colorful and somewhat warm as well in a strange way yeah i hoovered it up and i will be hoovering up the rest uh it's not going on all four as a box set it is there weekly again something to do with rights and streaming rights and goodness knows what, but all 10 episodes will be airing across the weeks, uh, Wednesdays, as Matt said, at 10pm over on Channel 4. Uh, staying on streamies, though, now, got two streaming shows, the first of which is called Under the Banner of Heaven. It is the new crime drama uh, that is um, all available in full on Wednesday again on uh, Disney Plus. It is based on the true crime novel of the same name by John Crowker and it stars Andrew Garfield as Detective Jed Pyrie. He's called out to the death of a young woman and her infant daughter. The house is covered in blood and he's just about to leave when him and his shaken colleague see a man covered in blood approaching the house and they arrest him. They discover that the husband of the woman is a member of the Lafferty family, a large deeply religious Mormon family, part of the Latter-day Saints, which is a more devout offshoot of the Mormon religion, and uh, puts Jeb in quite an awkward position because Jeb is also a Mormon, is deeply religious himself, and so questions this husband as to where he was and why his wife and infant daughter have been found in this way. He says he just went across the road to use a neighbour's phone and that he believes the person who killed them is actively hunting their family down. A couple of men with beards. He hasn't seen his brothers and their wives for a while. They all moved away. He tells the police that the members of the Latter-day Saints are probably responsible for what has happened to them. Jeb doesn't want to see that someone within the Mormon church could do such a terrible thing. Uh, the victim is Barbara, played by uh, normal people's Daisy Edgar-Jones. She's someone that we meet in flashback. When he takes her around to meet her, his family for the first time, she ingratiates herself 
within this large, really extended family of deeply religious people, loads of brothers and wives and children running around. And as they help remove stones from a neighbor's driveway, the head of the family says that they're going away on a two-year mission and that they want to leave the property and land and Laverty name with the eldest son. And so Alan and Deborah are sort of dismissed and left out, although there's hints that maybe two of Alan's brothers are perhaps uh, a bit more attracted to Deborah than they should be. We find out as well that one of the brothers is not living in the family home anymore. They track him down to a motel and he tells the same story about these bearded men who came in and tried to disrupt the religion and, and sort of confront these LDS people and take down the Lafferty name. So are the Lafferty's in danger? Is Alan a killer? Uh, Matt, I'll go to you first. Did it feel like a slog? Did you enjoy it? Did you know much about the Mormon religion? Did it matter? You said in that that she ingratiated herself in with the family. Um, yeah. Just quickly, it is um, it's Brenda, the oh, name of the well, I think you said I've Barbara, got, and you said Deborah. I know, I've got, I've got, that's because that's what I've got written down. I've got Deborah written down three times and Barbara written down once, so that shows me. <laughs> yeah, it's Brenda. I double-checked just that Brenda. it's Brenda. You said she ingratiated herself, Brenda, but, you know, there was looks there that she was getting, you know, she wasn't joining in with the, the women, you know, preparing the food. She was more interested in sort of the physical labour side, which I think in, in that religion is seen as the way the men work. It took me a while, I think, to sort of, because there's so much character and, as you say, that family on the Wikipedia, they've hopefully done a big family tree so you can yeah i saw that um and interestingly a lot of british and australian actors in mm. this for a very american story as you say andrew garfield daisy edgar jones uh billy howell plays alan sam worthington adelaide clemens is australian yeah. who plays yeah. andrew garfield's wife initially it took me a while when they started saying it wasn't until oh yeah the latter day saints and this is specifically like an lds town um, you've got sort of the outsider character, Detective Tarber, who's Jeb's partner, who's played by uh, Gil Birmingham, who I don't know if either of you seen Hell or High Water. He's the cop in that. He's paired with Jeff Bridges, and actually he plays sort of the other role in that. He's very faith-based, and Jeff Bridges isn't. And here he's the outsider who is sort of trying to look at it thoroughly without that gaze of the religion. I mean, the characters are interesting sort of multi-layered Garfield you know is a really sort of you know he's a thoughtful actor he, he's I, I liked his performance it's a very sort of earnest performance from Garfield but I, I like the way that his faith is is challenged you know it, it deals with bigger themes you know it's it's more than just a sort of bog standard mystery drama it looks mm. at themes of like this religion sort of outdated in a way the way it treats the two genders there was definitely enough for me to continue and and you know it had some thought-provoking elements in there and daisy edgar jones was excellent as well of yeah. the performance i think she was the the, the best one here Re for me really warm and engaging yeah. uh yeah. sophie um, I'm quite into true crime. Um, right. I'm not like fanatical about it. I don't listen to loads of like podcasts or anything, but I listen to one true crime podcast. Um, so 
I do usually watch this sort of thing, unless it's the sort of thing where they've dragged out a case to like (laughs) 20 episodes unnecessarily. But yeah, I'd never actually heard of this case before. So when I read that it was a real thing, I Googled it. So I know who the murderers are, but I do still feel compelled to carry on watching because I'm interested to see how we get to that point. Like you were saying before, there's all these brothers. There's like a family tree on Wikipedia, which I had to refer to a few times. And sometimes we see them and they've got beards and sometimes they haven't. I was really hooked on this. It did make me feel quite miserable, though. You know, misogyny is a big theme here. Like we see and I ended up watching two episodes. So Mm. in the first one, we see her meet the family and there's a lot of exchanging of looks like she's kind of getting above her station by you know having the audacity to like leave the group of women and go and join the group of men instead and that continues in episode two where the brothers clearly think she's a bit sort of uppity and should know her place her husband to be at that point he doesn't really think the same way as them and they're kind of being like oh you should marry a girl who's more like us there's a bit of animal cruelty in the second episode, mm. a bit of warning for people who might, like, I had to look away quite a bit. It's mm-hmm. quite a bleak series, but I am interested in the story and this sort of unique setting in this really Mormon community. I'm interested to see where it goes. I echo both of your thoughts, really. It is a time where we're living through every podcast being turned into a drama, every book every documentary being turned into a drama. I feel like recently, especially the last few weeks, we've done so many true crime things. But this one stands out because, as I always bang on about, if you can tell your story through engaging, interesting characters, then I'll happily go along for the ride. And these are really interesting, devoutly religious, strange, almost cultish in some sense. It all made me feel rather uneasy in places but really really strongly performances matt said from andrew garfield really different story than we've seen before yes it's bleak and dark but i think deserves to be the story is about a young girl in the prime of her life with a young young daughter who is killed in a horrific manner but i think as you said it has wider things to say about religion and puts him in a difficult position because if religion is at the heart of why these people were murdered, then what does that say about all the things he believes? I was fascinated with it and have, like Sophie, watched the first two. And it is a very interesting, engaging story that just wrapped itself around me. And I'm desperate to see where it goes. Obviously, in the Emmys, Andrew Garfield was, was mentioned as well. And So, yeah, I'm really chuffed that this has finally made it here. I was just going to say, it's those little character moments, really, that Mm. sort of make it. I think the stuff with Andrew Garfield and his mum is really touching. You know, he's got dementia, can't remember that that his dad is dead and has been dead for years. There's that little scene between uh, the two cops where he... With the fries. Yeah. I mean, I love that relationship. As I say, it reminds me of his role in... Hello, High Water, but also Seven, the sort of dynamic between Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman in that, that sort of, and that's obviously got that religious overtone. And obviously there's the race aspect there as well, because he's Native American and just that he's come into this town, he's the outsider, and he doesn't really feel like he belongs, but he's also got that objectiveness to him that isn't clouding 
Andrew Garfield's perspective. Please seek this out. Uh, a bigger review is on the website as well. And Under the Banner of Heaven lands all seven episodes on Wednesday on Disney+. Plus. Also, while we're on Daisy Edgar Jones, you just saw her latest film, didn't you, Sophie? Didn't I see on Twitter? Um, yeah, I went last night where the crawdads sing. Yeah. I guess by the fact that you were more interested in that Sean Mendes <laughs> singing crocodile trailer that you saw that the film didn't make much of an impression on you it says a lot as well but that trailer it was wild i encourage people to look it up the film is called lyle lyle crocodile and it was one of those moments where everyone in the cinema was dying because everyone was just like what is this it's an insane trailer and when it comes up saying and Sean Mendes as Lyle the Crocodile at the end, people were like laughing so much in the cinema. It's fascinating. Um, The the film itself is kind of fine. It's based on a book, which I also thought was fine. So it's kind of like, you you know. You knew what you were getting going in then, didn't you? (laughs) Yeah, I um I go to a book club every month and we read it a few months ago as part of the book club. So it was oh, like a little outing. Like I wouldn't have necessarily ah. chosen to see it at the cinema like on my own, but because I was going with people who some of whom were really enthusiastic about the book. So yeah. Well, I hope that you've all booked for Lyle Lyle Crocodile when that comes out. <laughs> Yeah, watch that trailer. It's yeah. insane. It just keeps getting more and more insane as it goes on as well. It's very weird. You can find it on Sophie's Twitter. It's Sophie Davis. She posted it and I watched it and <laughs> I haven't been able to stop thinking about it ever since. So make sure you do that. Uh, next up is another thriller. Uh, more paint by numbers, this one. This is called Surface. Gugu and Bertha Raw plays Sophie, who is undergoing therapy after she jumped from a boat into the ocean. She has no memory of this event or why she would want to end what has been she's been told is a perfect life. She's traumatised, can't go over the bridge where the water is. Basically, I was going to make a joke about this being a drama where a woman can't pass water, but I thought that was perhaps in wrong taste. Uh, a mysterious man tells her her husband isn't who she thinks he is and places a card in her handbag. In a contrivance, contrivance number one if you're going to keep score, she uses a computer where she works in to look up her patient records and they show x-rays of an arm that she didn't know she'd broken. Also x-rays that say her condition is consistent with a suicide attempt. When she asks her friend Caroline later on about the broken arm, she feeds her a story which doesn't sound very plausible, but hey-ho. Uh, She undergoes what they call neurofeedback therapy in an attempt to recover the memory of the faithful night, even though her therapist, played by Marianne Baptiste, says she was sort of reborn at that moment and she'll never fully recover the the memories. While her husband James is away on business, she goes to a bar uh, where the bartender offers her the usual. The mysterious man is revealed to be the police officer that was assigned to her case, and it's a question of whether... She can trust everyone around her. In a second contrivance, uh, Sophie discovers video (laughs) on her laptop that shows her and the man she was told to be the cop having an intimate moment. They were having an affair. And in the third and final contrivance, she's running, as she often does, through San Francisco, happens to bump into the paramedic who saved her life at the end of the incident and asks her, is there anything important you remember that I should need to know? She says, well, at the time you were telling me that your name was Tess, but I wouldn't think anything of it. So now she's even questioning whether the name she has is even hers. 
it's a very contrived, not very engaging drama, the complete opposite, in my view, of Under the Banner of Heaven, something we feel like we've seen a million times before, done somewhat better. Sophie, what did you think of this one? I was most on board with this in the kind of middle section, because at the beginning, it was reminding me a bit of... um, a book I read a few years ago called um, Before I Go to Sleep. I think there's a film version oh, of it with Nicole, Nicole Kidman. Kidman. Yeah, yeah. yeah, because I yeah I read that book and really enjoyed it. And that's about a woman who's, you know, got brain damage and suffering from memory loss. It turns out her husband isn't who he says he is. That's like the big twist. So to start with, I was kind of thinking, oh, this feels a bit familiar. But it becomes quite clear that it's not just the husband that's suspicious. It's kind of everyone in her life that's suspicious, mm. really. As you said before, she finds out she broke her arm a year or so ago and it's been sort of flagged in the system as like possible domestic violence, hasn't it? Mm. And that's why she sort of asks her friend, oh, how did I break my arm? The friend seems to be lying. Is she lying for the husband for some reason? What actually happened? So I think that was the moment where I was a bit more sort of on board with it because I was like, okay, this is interesting. There's a lot that she doesn't know about herself. She seems to have her own secrets that she's just forgotten about. And then everyone around her seems to also be sort of lying to her in different Mm. ways. I Mm. think she overhears a conversation between her husband and a friend of his where the friend is saying, oh, if I was you, I would have got out of that relationship a long time ago. So, you know, has she done things in the past that the husband has found out about? Where it sort of lost me a bit is towards the end. As you were saying, there's a lot of different twists, like, okay, there's this guy who she bumps into, and then later on we find out he's a police officer, and then we find out they were having an affair. Like, is the police officer thing a real thing like is he mm. actually a police officer how long were they having this affair for and one thing that frustrated me a bit is her behavior because she basically goes and confronts him and she just kind of yells at him and leaves and if that was me i would be asking him a hundred questions mm. about like how did we meet how long were we having an affair for did my <laughs> husband know about yeah. the affair because it's kind of implied isn't it as well that she's got what the husband says is a suicide note and mm. it's kind of implied that it was that actually a suicide note or was it a note she wrote to leave him and go off with this other man? And again, she doesn't ask the other man about any of this. She's basically just like, I don't want to know anything about you or our affair. Mm. Goodbye. And another thing that frustrated me towards the end was when she bumps into the Coast Guard and this woman <laughs> says to her, oh yeah, you were saying all kinds of crazy things while we rescued you, like how a man pushed you from the boat. And I was like, (laughs) that's not a crazy thing to say in that situation. And it's also something you'd say to the police, surely. And the way the woman says it, and she's like smiling, like, oh, you were saying some crazy things. Mm. Like, that really frustrated me. You're off your head with that head injury that you had. (laughs) Did no one, like, report this at the time? Because that's not an unusual thing to say when you found someone in the water, that someone pushed you in. Yeah, that was strange. Um, I don't think I'm going to carry on with this, but I'll be interested to maybe read about it and see where it's going. Because I am quite interested to know, you know, why are all these people lying to her? Who is she? But I don't know if I'm invested enough to actually carry on watching it, especially when they're hour-long episodes as well. The interesting thing is they had a show called Shining Girls with Elizabeth Moss, which played with Tom... Sophie reviewed that with us. Oh, yeah. yeah, well, 
that you've seen that <laughs> shit. Was I on that podcast? Yes. Even... Oh my god. <laughs> I should have done more with I was definitely pushed off the boat. I didn't jump. What we all said at that time was that Elizabeth Moss can sell you anything because she is such an enigmatic performer and you believe her and you fall. And I always bang on about the importance of character and I don't think the lead performance here sold anything for me. And you know, I can understand the sense of being disorientated and not knowing who to believe, but I, ultimately I didn't care and you know me, I need to care. I don't need my heartstring pulled, but I need to be invested, I need to wonder myself all these questions. I don't want to be frustrated, I don't like it when things just happen for the sake of the story and don't feel organically built in. She didn't need to work at a hospital, but of course she did, because how else was she going to see those medical records? What was her job at the hospital? I had no idea, because she was like delivering flowers to somebody. So was she vol- I, I thought she was a volunteer, but then it they didn't looked really like she explained it. Or... Yeah, they didn't really explain it. I just found this a real disappointment, real mess. Uh, just something very similar to a lot of those dramas we saw last year, except because it's Apple money, it's people falling off big boats rather than falling downstairs. I don't know who this is for. It could be what I call a mum show, where mums would watch it and just be intrigued by all the different mysteries and want to know more. But from a critical point of view, there is nothing of note to say. It just feels very similar to the sort of bog-standard holiday novel thriller that we get time and time again that I will instantly forget about. Anything yeah, this is um, produced by um, Reese Witherspoon, who produces a lot of these like sort of female-led mm, stories. That, that film is. you went to see. Yep, and also Big Little Lies yep. she produced, and I can see it kind of getting that sort of audience. Little fires everywhere. Yep, little fires everywhere. Um, yeah, she seems to produce a lot of these stories, and they can be a bit hit and miss. You know, I think she's doing some really great work um, in sort of getting women at the front of more of these stories. But uh, yeah, this one is not particularly great for me. It looks beautiful, as all Apple TV Plus shows do. The substance isn't quite there for me, just based on the first episode. I could understand if this was on Netflix, that this would be the, you know, people sitting there one weekend watching it episode after episode. But the Apple TV model is like, is it two of these to start off with or three? I'm not sure. It it depends, doesn't it? Three and then the rest. And then weekly after that. And I don't think people will be coming back week after week for this. This very much feels like, you know, if it was on over here, if it was a British TV drama, it would be on ITV over four nights and, and people would finish it by the Thursday. I don't think... It even feels like it could be a 90-minute film. You know, it doesn't feel like it's got enough story to sustain eight hours. I agree with what both of you are saying. The scene, as you mentioned, Luke, when she went in and he just said, oh, the usual. It does, does that ever happen at <laughs> a bar? Um, the uh, performance by um, Oliver Jackson Cohen, another, again, a lot of British actors in here, Ma- Marion Jean Baptiste as well, as you mentioned, as the therapist. But his performance specifically was really, really wooden. I know there wasn't much to write home about in any of the performances here. You know, Luke, you mentioned contrivance after contrivance. I just found this a real slog to get through. It yeah. took me several goes, you know, even under the banner of heaven, which was, you know, over an hour long episode flew by because there was a lot there this there's not a lot going on beneath the surface here of surface Ooh, you've had um, a week to think that up 
<laughs> um, and I, I did enjoy Luke that you've revealed to everyone that you've only got one heartstring to pull on as well. well yeah, I think I we lost one in a terrible boat accident. <laughs> Right now at Safeway, earn four times rewards points when you shop for participating items with Safeway for you. Shop for items like Ready Whip Whipped Cream, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dan and Danimals Drinks, Philadelphia Cream Cheese, and 7-Up to earn four times rewards points with Safeway for you. Offer expires January 4th. Plus, get select holiday essentials like gift wraps, bags, holiday decor, lights, and more. Buy one, get one 50% off. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com or head in store for full offer details. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives for newly appointed agents. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the United States Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers usbp. That's cbp.gov careers usbp. Uh, but yeah, I, I doubt there'll be much conversation around this. It does feel like um, Apple TV are going through a bit of a, a weaker patch. We didn't really like Luke very much on the podcast, the the latest thing from Maya Rudolph. I'll tell you what you would like, though, Matt, when you get to it, is Severance. I really Severance. recommend that, yeah. <laughs> I've heard when that, you, you know. I don't know who's get, from. When you get to it, you'll really enjoy that. But this is available on Apple TV+. Plus on Friday with, as we said, the first three episodes available to you. Finally, on the podcast this week, we actually have an Australian drama which has been given pride of place in the schedules, at least, at 9 o'clock on Sunday nights. It is also available in its entirety on the iPlayer. Matt is going to talk to us about the newsreader. Interesting Sunday nights on BBC Two with this and better things, isn't it? It's an interesting sort of Weird acquisition night. (laughs) (laughs) things we don't i was i was going to say things we don't promote but actually this has got a fair bit of promotion and that's why i decided to deny for us to cover this so as luke said you know it's an australian drama it's set in 1986 focus at the beginning is on um a news reporter and producer called dale jennings uh, he works on news at six which i believe is a news broadcast on the six network um meanwhile we've got Helen Norville, who's the popular female anchor, she's trying to uh, persuade the station boss, Lindsay Cunningham, to allow her to front these like weekly updates, these more in-depth character pieces. Lindsay's worried that Helen's report will, in his own words, include cross-eyed single mothers, AIDS and God knows what else. So he convinces Dale to produce a Helen's report to sort of um, keep her on the straight and narrow and promises him like an anchor role if he sort of keeps her in line. But when Helen realises what Dale's there to do, she gets really angry with Lindsay and ends up storming out. Dale goes to Helen's house because he's got some of her belongings that she's left behind, finds her having taken an overdose of alcohol and pills, calls the ambulance, paramedics say to him, we don't want to leave her alone tonight. Can she come and stay with you? So she ends up at his apartment. Um, he is then given the opportunity to host an update. It doesn't go very well. Helen agrees to sort of coach him on, um, you know, being a better reporter, what you need to do, fix your hair, calm down, that sort of thing. Um, and then it ends with uh, the Challenger disaster, which they were sort of covering 
Dale had some pieces on it already, some video footage. Helen is convinced to go back because Lindsay hasn't got anyone else to front this sort of breaking news. And she sort of gets rave reviews and, and sort of negotiates to come back with extra stipulations in her contract. Luke, I'm going to go to you on this first, because I know you said in the past that you enjoy TV shows about sort of the production of TV. So do this fit in with that? It did initially. Um, I think in the long <laughs> in the long term, though, I just found it a bit too soapy. I'm going to use the C word again. It's a little bit contrived that she happens to be staying over at his place for no apparent reason. I'm sure she's got other friends and family at the station that would be better suited to doing that rather than the guy she's just met. This just didn't scratch any of those itches for me because I, it just felt a bit inconsequential and soapy and I didn't really like the stereotypical shouty boss. The best bit for me was when he was on camera delivering his really quick, uh, nervous-stricken reporting and them saying, you've got to calm down, got to slow down. All that I felt really engaged with and the stuff where his family are gathered around to see his first on-air performance and you've got the, the woman who was Jonah's mentor in Summer Heights High who I've always respected and loved since then, uh, playing his mother. But the actual story around it of these anchors coming together and working together as a team i wasn't that on board with i don't have the desire to go back and seek more of this out because it didn't have much weight to it it all felt a bit lightweight to me i'm sorry to disappoint you mac it felt all very low stakes and and lightweight it didn't feel like it had any a great deal of depth to it although they put in the challenger stuff and that resonated a bit but yeah it just felt a bit airy fairy in places and a bit predictable and I wanted to like it, and I did like aspects of it, but not enough to go back to, really. I quite like this. I liked the dynamic of slightly older woman mentoring a younger man. I feel like that isn't really something I have seen before, I don't think. Um, like you said, it is a little bit contrived how she ends up staying at his house. Um, but I enjoyed the scenes when she's sort of teaching him how to be a good newsreader. And at first I was kind of thinking like, oh, when he has to fill in for her at the station, are they going to have a bit of a rivalry? But I quite like the fact that they're actually sort of in it together. And it's more like the older male newsreader is the one who's the sort of uh, the enemy. Like it's kind of the mm. two of them against him. That kind of pleasantly surprised me a bit about where the story might be going. It felt a little bit like a less kind of silly version of something like the morning show because we get all this <laughs> stuff behind the scenes at the station i like the opening where a tape gets destroyed doesn't it and there's no backup because it's you know the 80s it's you know nothing's digital so he has to try and like get some new footage together within like a few minutes before it needs to be on the air um i liked all that kind of stuff and there's a sort of like shouty boss who gets like some of the funny lines like i think she, at one point she says something to him about she wants to be reporting from war zones and he says to her you are a war zone i quite liked all those sort of dynamics at the station um i'm not sure if i'll carry on watching this it's not really something i would have chosen to watch otherwise um but i think as a sort of sunday night drama like i think i might recommend this to my parents um interesting you know to get people watching some more Australian TV, because I think this has been quite a big hit over there, mm. hasn't it, as far yeah. as I read online. I thought it was good. I thought it was pretty sort of inoffensive, um, but quite entertaining. 
Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. I mean, I like this as well. I found it a really easy watch. Um, I, I think I liked the chemistry between the two leads. It's Anna Torv as, as Helen. People know from Fringe and from Mind Mindhunter. Hunter. What I would say to, you know, your criticism about her staying at his house, I get the impression that she hasn't got anyone else. You know, she is quite an isolated figure. You know, we didn't see her really bonding with anyone else no, I get in that. the office. I get, I get that. And so, Sophie's right. I know I liked all the stuff about them being mentor, mentee and her hmm. teaching. But why does she have to be so tortured? Why did, you know, it would be nice if they weren't for what, once. what it is, I think, is that it's... And I, I have watched some of the second episode as well. It is about that sort of view of women in the workplace and that almost like that secondary nature that misogyny towards her, you know, that at the end when she's delivered this Bravo performance about the challenger, the older male newsreader came in and said to her, you know, tone down the emotion. And, and that sort of carries on to the next episode as well. There's a lot more about him. Uh, the character is Jeff, played by Robert Taylor. You know, his agingness and, and that closing him out of the conversation in terms of how far he can proceed in the in the current affairs world. So it's interesting looking again at the themes of gender with her and sort of the age bias with him. And I, I thought Sam Reed's performance as Dale was brilliant. As you say, that scene is, is probably the standout scene of the first episode where he really sort of flubs online. And there's that line that the sports caster says to him after about you've got a, his, a future in calling horse races, which is a line I quite like. I just found this really sort of gentle, really likeable characters. And I think each week, you know, they're dealing with a different current affairs story. The second episode is around the um, return of Halley's Comet. Just having a look at the um, the episode guide, there's an episode about Chernobyl coming up. And there's some as well, which are sort of Australian-specific stories, which I think would be interesting because, you know, I don't know a lot about Australian sort of stories from that time. And it's already been commissioned for a second series, which sort of will be in 1987. Yeah, just a you know, a really sort of easy watch and, you know, light-hearted in some places, dramatic in other, yeah, enjoyable. The Newsreader is all going to be available as a box set on the iPlayer and uh, is going to be going out in double bills, I believe, on Sunday nights. This week so, it is, because Better Things is on at 10.50. Oh, why do that to me? Anyway, it's all, that's all on the iPlayer as well, and you can read my piece on why I think that is such an underrated gem and Sophie if Matt's homework is to do uh, Severance I think you should catch up on better things because you said you were a series behind uh, of that didn't you? I am yeah I binged a lot of it during lockdown and then I just haven't come back to it for some reason there's just been a lot of other stuff to watch um, but yeah I need to watch the previous season and then the current season Uh, Sophie's online to to watch that crocodile trailer if you haven't already paused the (laughs) podcast to do so Uh, she's at it's Sophie Davis on Twitter and the podcast that she mentioned at the top we're on Twitter as well at Lucaster TV for me at the moment and Matt is at Matt's TV Bites the podcast is available everywhere and uh, thank you by the way if you voted for us in the podcast awards next year next year 
I think we said that last year as well. But next year, so we're a bit like Del Boy. This time next year, we'll win a podcast award. Well, I don't think we were really doing much last last no. year, were we, in terms of the summer? No. Please rate and subscribe. Three, four, five stars. Three I can just about allow. As I said, I'd like some written feedback as well, because we haven't had any this year, and it'd be really intriguing you'd just like to... Some, you know, you'd like someone to tell you how good you are, is what you're saying. Well, no, just to see if they're enjoying the format and if there's anything they think we can change, or... You know, tweet us at Custard TV Pod on Twitter as well. Thank you so much, Sophie, for spending another warm weekend with us. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You're more than welcome. And uh, you can find Sophie's writing both uh, uh, on the site at CustardTV.com and on Vodzilla as well. Is there anyone else that you are contributing to at the moment? Mm, not at the moment, no. We will definitely be back just looking at the, uh, the lineup on the 16th of August, will be the next one, but there might be some bonus shows in between so watch this space okay take care bye rate and review us wherever you find us search the custard tv on youtube itunes and facebook judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy the Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.